know what they told you, but I'm one-sided with the cold truth. Turn losses into lessons, wanna make a liar mad, ask me questions. I'm out for respect. I wouldn't have anything less. What's up, Vegas? This is Vegas Circle. Myself, Snipes, Pocky, and Chris. Uh, tonight, joining the circle, we have Jeff Porter, who's made over 50 movies and documentaries, produced music, uh, music videos, and he's a native Las Vegas, and he attended UNLV at one point in his life. So we want to have a really, really deep discussion with him about Vegas, Hollywood, and, um, yeah, we're bringing him into the circle. So, uh, Pac, what you think, man? Like, Jeff, you know, super, what, man? super intriguing dude, right? He, he was, man. He had a wide range of, of, of topics that we got a chance to talk about um, from getting sued to <laughs> not making Yo, no money. A whole lot of for, stuff. For three to, three to five months. But, you, you know, for me, the, uh, I mean, the movies and all that kind of stuff, yeah. But for me, was like, Listening to him, and he he's actually from where I'm from, and I'm yeah. looking at this cat like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. He got right off the bat, so you've yes. Las Vegas native, right. UNLV grad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of give alumni. us your. There you go, Western alumni. Talk to us about maybe. Um, I guess just first off, how it was growing up in Vegas, and um, what made you, know, you decide to leave? Hey, I think growing up in Vegas was amazing, right? Okay. The problem is you think you grow up real fast in Vegas because the culture is so it's it's so many people in such a small environment. Okay. So the stuff that you see in public schools and junior starting from like junior high school when I was in, it's like you shouldn't see that stuff, you know, instantly. So in sixth grade, I'm seeing people doing drugs. I'm seeing prostitution. I'm seeing things that you normally wouldn't see for 11 year old or 12 year old. Just writing. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, you have the drug dealer in the class with you, you know, yeah. with the big chains yeah. on, you know. Yeah, because in, 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 not to cut you off, but in high school, I mean, I knew people that were serving at school, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Doing well with it, too. I mean, yeah. riding around with some, some 20s on the car, yeah. you know, at 15. Yeah. So, yeah. you see some things that um, I learned that's not normal. Okay. Right, but I believe that helped, and if you had some kind of discipline on you, it helped you and allowed you to grow up fast. It's kind of funny because you know Snipes before mentioned growing up in Vegas, and you briefly mentioned it growing up quick. Yeah. Like, did you realize that right off the bat that you were growing up fast, or is it something no, you kind of learned? No, you just think it's normal. You know, That's you don't think nothing of it. Peculiar, you know, joining gangs, fighting, whatever you can think of. You know? That's I mean, just especially. I think that it's. It was really just going to the select schools that I went to. Gibson wasn't the easiest school, man. Yeah. I mean, a lot of kids didn't care about school. You know, it was just different, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, I've been told different things about every school. Right. But then Gibson and Western, man, I mean, it was something yeah. unique about those schools. The gangs, I mean, we had all the Gersons at our school. Right. So yeah. this is when right. Gersons were like really, really right. Gersons, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So you get to see something that, you know, was carried over from L.A. in regards of, like, L.A. gangs and stuff like yeah. that. You get to see that firsthand, up close and personal. Yeah. You get to be involved in it. They're your friends. They're your, they're your comrades. Um, and then as you grow, you get to see a lot of the negative stuff, a lot of these same people going to jail, yeah. a lot of these mm-hmm. people killed. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like how old were you when you realized that's not the norm? Like, we're being able to go, like Snipes mentioned before, going to gamble at a casino or – you know, going down to the strip and seeing a lot of drug activity just in your face where I can tell you. So I think I was in 11th grade. Right. Yeah. And um, there was a party. I think immature was coming. Right. And they were at the skating ring. Or yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And we all went because it was immature. You know, all the girls. Are yeah. Sure, of so, course. Yeah. 
at the immature concert, someone said they had a someone said there was a gun there. Yeah. And I remember trying to leave there. They had SWAT take us all out of our cars, mm. had us laying on the street, and had like AKs to our head with dogs oh, wow. running through our cars and dogs running on top of us. I mean, these are like I'm a kid. You a junior in high school? Yeah. With a uh, with a machine gun to my head from a cop telling me he's gonna. Yeah. Yeah, that's not normal. <laughs> not, not at all. Just but, because someone said there was a gun in the vicinity. Yeah. No shots. Yeah. No fight broke out. And once I start getting into those situations, you start seeing that and start seeing some of your friends being killed and murdered and stuff like that. Yeah. That's when you realize something is not right. Were you doing anything in Vegas or you went straight to Hollywood or how? So I was, um, I used to walk around everywhere with a camera. When I got that camera, right, that $5,000 camera, I didn't put it down. You know, I filmed everything. I filmed as many music videos as I could. I filmed as many commercials as I could. Mm-hmm. I would do a commercial for the barbershop if you can give me 500 bucks, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> right. And then I got really good at editing. So I got so good at editing that I was the only person in the city doing music videos at that caliber that I was doing them at. Now, of like course. HD, wasn't the HD back then, right? So what, what it was, was it? standard, but I was like. But was that, was that here? Yeah, it was here. That was still here in Vegas? Yeah, so okay. here. So I was the only person at this time doing a lot of music videos at that level. Um, I was able to do commercials. I had my own, you know, quarter of a million dollar studio you know right behind the palms um we were blessed man i had a lot of people um looking out for me and helping me out with certain things um i loved it you know i sat behind the computer i did a lot of editing i did a lot of managing but the problem was was it just you did you have a team or partner or what what? i had a a a label but it was just mainly me doing all the filming and the editing um i had a guy named tony holly who um brought me and kind of put me under his wing because he was great at sales. Okay. So he can go get certain jobs for us right. and stuff like that. So he would, you know, go the get mouth, some huge the mouth jobs. Yeah. yeah that's the, you <laughs> need but I learned a lot from him. Okay. You know, because yeah. at first I was the shy guy. I'm not going to talk to you about anything, but I'm the guy that's going to work my butt off. So you put something in front of me, I'm going to sit there until I figure it out and I'm going to make sure because I'm not going to get up or stop until I got something that's presentable that I'm that's happy crazy. with. That's crazy. interesting to me was how good he was at like... Um, Finding things that are going on around him, using those to grow. Exactly. Well, somebody he's told really me intuitive around people from around him. Somebody told me, uh, so use what you have until you kind of get what you need yeah. in order to, you know what I mean? And that's, I and, think that's, I think that's Jeff Porter all the way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's Jeff Porter. Did but, you find that he was really good at like, you know, you you get you, people teach you things constantly. He was really good at implementing his teachings. Did you guys find well, that out still, too? Yeah. The, the catch is, my mom didn't want me to go to the school I was on for, which was Garside, because I grew up like on like Jones and Washington area. Right. Uh, my parents kind of wanted to move out the way as soon as they had the opportunity. But which was funny and ironic, they didn't want me hanging around some of the the white kids that were doing drugs at the time wow because some of my white friends they were into speed into weed and yeah. all kind of stuff and this is in like i said sixth seventh grade they were actually doing it wow whereas and then also i want to be around my own kind for a change you know, yeah to be around my own people yeah um and so i went to gibson and then from gibson it's like all my friends went to western so it's like i only have no choice i can't go gotcha. to cimarron when you talk about the schools and you see all of that i guess you say destruction right mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. craziness because Clark County School District and all of that were one of the worst school districts in the United States, right? It's, from my understanding, it's anywhere from 46th to 49th in the nation every year. That's unfortunate. Right? Uh-huh. Why do you think that is, man? Do you feel like, I don't want to say that they want people to be stupid, but do you, do you feel like they want you to work in the service industry? So you go work for like an MGM or you work, go work for a Caesars or you go, you know what I'm saying? Like they feel like they don't want you to be educated. <laughs> No, I believe that has to do with um, Vegas growing so fast. 
right? Even when you were younger, though? Because Vegas has always been growing super okay. fast. You right. know, it's been a, one of those markets that, you know, your classroom goes from 10 people to 20 people every year. You know, you're mm, just seeing, you're big. seeing, you know, exponential growth. Then on top of that, teachers, what they have to deal with, you know, uh, my sister, stuff like that. I have family members that are teachers, but what they have to deal with is unfair, you know, because yes, you have some students that, that care about school and, and, and want to learn, but they're right next to some of those students that don't. And in that kind of environment, you're trying to educate both is hard, right? you know, because you're putting so much effort into the person that doesn't that you kind of overshadow the people that do. You know, so sometimes it's harder for the people that want Everybody's to. Everybody's on different, yeah. different. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I actually experienced that, so I, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's hard. You know, you have 30 kids to a class sometimes. You know, that's why they that's build, a lot of they children, build like man. four high schools. Yeah. You know, and in I, a matter I, of a few years. Who does that? You know, four yeah, or five new high schools. Right. You know, I was talking about yeah, yeah, kids. And, I mean, and then, yeah, you, exactly. How like can you hold their attention? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think really what helped was a crucial part on my end was um, seeing the difference. So. My elementary school, right? My parents kind of moved me to a different area, kind of away from a lot of family, friends. It was a new elementary school. So mm-hmm. the um, the crowd I was around was a bit different than what I was used to, of course. And it's a difference when it came to education because I hate to say it, at that time, our people, what made you cool was the clothes you wore, yep. the popularity, the girls that are attracted to you, you know, you being able to stand out, being a class, something, you know, made what's, you stand what's giving out you that edge, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. whereas in this group, what made you cool is who's the smartest, who's engaged, who okay. can finish right. those tests the fastest, right? and it was different. Everybody had to step their game up. And yeah. it's like, I want to compete. I want to be the smart kid. I don't want to, that's you know, because I'm, I'm one of the only black kids, so yeah, of course good. you're the target. So yeah. that mentality, when I went to junior high and high school, I remember like, I'm here getting five A's, six A's, but not scared to show my report card. People yeah. talk about their report cards. I'm not talking oh, about mine. Wow. I don't have the something. same classes as a lot of my got friends. It, it. You know, um, so that's know. a and that's a whole different dynamic. That like, that's an opposite dynamic where if you get bad grades, you don't want to take that home, but you get good grades and you don't want to tell your friends. Yeah. Because they might not be doing the same thing. Why well, do want them to look at me as different? Of course, you know, of course. I, mean, I just cared about class, you know. I'm yeah. still competing, you know. I That's got mad up. if I got a bad grade on a test, That's you know. Right. Um, but I still wanted to be cool. I wanted to hang out. I wanted to be able to get the girl, right? To play football and basketball. But and, you, but you stay keen on getting your grades yeah. as opposed to you know what you had to do mm-hmm. and all the other stuff. Yeah, you wanted to do that, but this was the primary thing. Because I think when 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 we go to school, and once we get there. And then it's like all this different activity. Sometimes we forget that yeah. the core of what we're there for is to get good grades. But you got to understand it's only hard if you believe it's hard. Mm-hmm. You can actually make it easy mm-hmm. if you understand what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I thought school, <laughs> you know what I mean? school didn't get hard till college, man. Right. That's when school changed. Right. The whole right. ball game, <laughs> yeah. the dynamic, yeah. right. everything was easy. Until college. Once right. I got to college, man, the whole ball game. It was like I had to so study. I wanted to ask you. I about had to, that you too. know, get tutors sometimes. Yeah, you know. yeah, of course. I struggled. You know, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a different level. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And they don't care. Yeah, no. they don't really care. No, no, no. I mean, you think, no. you know, you don't turn the test. Somebody gonna say something to you. They don't care. They care less. You know, you're grown. You're grown you ain't gotta person. show up to this class if you don't want to. Right. You know. Right. Because <laughs> I was I was gonna ask you what. Why did you choose UNLV? Like, why did you want to stay in, in Vegas to go to school UNLV? I didn't choose UNLV. So, okay. originally, um, when I first got out of high school, I had a scholarship for Idaho State. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, academic? 
the uh, sports? Well, uh, okay. I had partial for academic, and then I had partial for sports because I was going to go play um, football there. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and I had been to the school. I had visited. They were giving me a scholarship to cover most things. But I had tore my meniscus, and I had to have mm. surgery. Oh, tough. Um, so my senior year, I hurt myself, you know, playing basketball or running track, one of the two. I did it, I think, playing basketball. And they took one of one of my scholarships, but they took it away maybe two weeks before school started. Oh, man. And so those schools started, I think, two weeks or a week before schools out here started on the West Coast. And so at that time, I forgot the financial burden that was going to be on my mom at the time. But they hit her with one of those numbers. It's like, hey, you got to pay twenty thousand or fifteen thousand wow. dollars right now. Yeah. yeah, you know, like out the gate. He, yeah, otherwise he can't come here. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and I just saw her stressing and struggling. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like, I had never seen my mom with that kind of like look. Right. You know? So at that point I was just trying to think of alternatives now because of my grades, I got a, a scholarship because of Nevada and a okay. scholarship for UNLV. So they yeah. covered all my academics as well. Oh, wow, that's really good. So yeah. Um, the problem is I didn't apply for any schools. I took my ACTs one time, you know, so as long as they told me yeah. I passed, I was good. Yeah. yeah. And I only applied at the school that I thought I was going to go to. Yeah. Um, actually, I applied to two schools, UCLA and that one. And UCLA turned me down. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, I'm going here. But then once that kind of hit, the only other school I thought that I could go to immediately and I didn't want to go to a community college was UNLV. So I kind of used some resources. Um, one of my peoples knew one of the deans at the school because it was too mm. late. So I actually went to the school, did a meeting a few days before school started. They had me fill out my application by hand right there. I paid my application fee to the lady mm. across the desk and they accepted me right there. So, oh, that's pretty cool. Cool. I was so, luckily to even be able to get in UNLV. So you went one one year in UNLV? I went to UNLV my first year, then I went to Reno. Okay. And then um, I love Reno, but the problem is I changed my majors. I went from computer science to film, and that's kind of when I just like, you know what, this is what I want to do with my life. Right. Uh, one last question for you, but a two-part question. Okay. Um, one of the questions would be, and I'm going to repeat them first, who are some of your mentors and coaches that you've had in your life? I'm sorry, coaches you've had in your life, and then what's the best advice you've been given? Ooh. I've had a couple good mentors in my life. Um, one mentor would be Ren Bass. Um, Ren, I met when I was in Reno. He was a, my advisor for Cap Alpha Psi. Okay. And what Which I loved about Ren was um, he was always honest and open and down to earth. He never, like... Not a yes man. Well, he was a high-end accountant, very professional, had a, a beautiful family, but he related to the younger. You know, he, he knew what you wanted to do. He knew how you thought. And, he, and there was nothing wrong with it in his eyes. He just wants you to focus. And he pushed you to focus, but have your fun, but focus. Mm -hmm. Have a goal, have a plan, and execute. Have the fun on the side, but execute. Got it. Got it. And I love the way he pushed, and he was so open and honest, and, like, he didn't judge you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, still love Ren to this day. Great guy. Still, we got a good relationship. Yeah. Great relationship. You That's know. good. Um, Would you say he gave you some of the best advice, or no? He didn't give me. I mean, <sighs> seemed like he just lived it. Yeah, he lived see it. it. Yeah. If anything, I mean, my mother would be the biggest role model because she's go. always been on top of me, no matter what. There Even you go. to this day, she'll. Hey, did you take care of this bill? There hey, you go. You're, <laughs> right. you're, your car insurance is due. You know that, right? Yeah. I'm like, Mama, how you know? You're like, <laughs> you know, you know your right. registration's about to expire. Dang, Mama, That's how you? I put it in my phone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. She's always on top of me in regards of, you know, keeping me humble. Hey, Mama, I close this deal. Okay, but you know you still got to take the trash out. You know you got to do this. Um, you got to do that, you know?
Cause, but but he's super smart though. Yeah, very very so, intelligent guy. So so like the 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 intelligence level is, I'll become resourceful when I don't have resources. Yeah. So I could do that's this. Good point. That's a real good and point. And then boom, it works. But not only not only that, Chris and I were talking about this earlier. He's street smart, book smart, and business smart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's what I was excited to be able to see. And a little bit slick. Yeah, yeah. But you, you seen that swagger that. come through a little yeah. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I, and we're doing all of that from having this nonprofit. Yeah. And uh, working with the kids. Yeah, and being able to do that, and then that's super dope. One of the biggest things that that impacted me that I loved was when he. Dealt with the adversity. When I finally went to Hollywood, yeah. the lady that I was talking about, she was a producer. Mm. A producer's rep. She had sold 500 plus movies, mm. self made millionaire, Jewish lady. Yeah. Um, is that is that the uh, Astro? Yeah. Astro? So, yeah, okay. So um, I met Paige. And, uh, Paige Astro. Paige yeah. sat there and she told me, hey, I don't think you're going to do very well with this, but I need some work yeah. and I'll give you a chance. That's and that's good. all I needed. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you just need cool. your foot in the door. That's all. Yeah, hey, but but you but but you did good with 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 Paige, right? Like you, you kind of with Paige. I had lived right. So when I lived, I told you two hours. I had there was no salary, there right. was commissions that I was lied about in the beginning. You know, you know, right. big hustle right. with Hollywood. I oh yeah, in the beginning as well. Yeah, of course. So here I am working my, I'm driving two hours to get to her in Beverly Hills, paying for parking, and parking is ridiculous. Right, commute was ridiculous. You know, I think I was spending about twenty five to thirty bucks a day. And so you met with Paige and, and, and like you said, going to Hollywood. Man, I worked for Paige for about three to four months before I saw my first monies. Mm, no no nothing. I worked three to four months commuting every single day, back and forth. And I remember it was I was even talking to my brother, and this is kind of even makes me sad now yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. It was like yeah. You like you got paid yet? No, I didn't make any money today. Paige was a different animal that I learned a lot from. So the catches with Paige, it wasn't like a normal job. Mm-hmm. This is like I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with um, the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, okay. yeah. So Paige at this time was the epitome of Meryl Streep, but in the film industry. Oh, ah, got you. Mm-hmm. Oh, so got she you. talked crazy to you. Oh yeah, not only Everybody. that. I mean, if you can, if you he's ready to choke her. If you, Everybody in this world. If you, you know? if, if if you look at the movie Devil Wears Prada, yeah, I saw that movie. And Meryl Streep's character, you would know that it wasn't about you and what you thought, about, what you wanted to do. It was about, it's about her what that I business. need to facilitate and view here with me to make that happen. Whatever it is that you got to do to make that happen, you need to do it, or you out. Yeah. Period. And I didn't have time to do anything on my own, honestly. Once I got, once Paige realized that I was going to stay, you know, yeah. so once I got past that six months and she gave me that first $500 check, it's only 500 bucks. That January, she actually gave me a solid job. Like, Hey, you know, cause most people were leaving. I think that was a test. I mean, I wouldn't want a person to go through what I went through. Right. You know, because I literally like, man, it was like, I was at ends meet. Like, please, you yeah. know, help me God. Yeah. Something, you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone around me is telling me to stop dealing with this crazy lady who's yeah. using the heck out of me. Cause I'm working my butt off yeah, yeah, and I'm not making nothing, you know, but every day I'm like, it's possible. I'm close, you know, yeah. but I'm actually, the catches, I think what was driving me was, it was like I was going to school again, Yeah, but I was getting, I was going to college of the hard knocks at this point. Cause I'm how, getting, how old were you when doing that? This is maybe about 10 years ago. So now, that's what's maybe up. a little okay. bit longer, you know? Okay. So, um, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So I just pushed through with her, and I just kept pushing, kept pushing. I kept working my butt off every task. I just overdid it. Do you? Do like you? Do you still have a relationship with her today? No. 
No. Okay. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. And I can get it. So if you don't want to get into it, you don't no, have no, to. No, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good, okay. man. I'm I'm an open book, man. In yeah. some okay. cases, you know. Don't let her try to smack no, us. No, I'm confident, man. I'm confident. <laughs> so I'll tell you guys what I went through, literally. Yeah. So I worked my butt off for Paige for okay. five, six years to the point where I went from nothing to I was vice president of her company. That's what's To the up. point where I was running Paige's company where Paige didn't even have to be in the office ever. Paige took vacation and trips for three, four months to Ziawat Neus. She had a, a guy she was dating over in some other state. So I handled everything from hiring, firing, to check writing, to, to royalties, to, to signing clients, to, to everything you can think of. So that was probably your first that break or, or on the job well, because run she, business. she gave me, she showed me everything and I'm like a sponge, you know, and yes, where you thinking, hey, I can do this in front of this person. He's right. going to get it. That's what I'm there for. Which but, is the way it happens a lot of times. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah. But the catch is on my end. I was um, I was resilient. I made some good money. I knew how to save. I, yeah, I would shock her. Yeah. So what she would do, she would go months without paying me. Doing it on purpose. Point. Yeah, doing it on purpose. Yeah. And I, I remember, I still can remember, I'm living in this nice, you know, my nice West Hollywood condo. And I'm eating top ramen noodles. And I can't even afford to put gas in my car to get to my office that's 10 minutes away. Why don't you quit? I'm t- I'm t- oh, sorry. So yeah, yeah. here I am in yeah, my yeah, nice yeah. condo, yeah. right? And um, I remember I asked her, like, hey, I can't get to work today. Yeah. I need some. I don't have money to even get to the office right now. Oh, well, I'll have somebody come get you. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then that was one big thing. Um, but I'm used to that. Remember, I told you I went five yeah, months ago, okay? Yeah, so I'm used to her yeah. playing this game with me. Yeah. Um, then we were supposed to go to Cannes. This was my first time going to Cannes. And I had raised about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars to go to Cannes, and this is me working my butt off from clients like twenty-five hundred bucks here, five thousand here, just pulling pennies from out of your pocket, his pocket, yeah, his pocket. Yeah, so right, I can go right. to Cannes and represent because it's my first time. Yeah, right. I remember she had me book her flights, and she needed she only could fly on lay flats on a flight on a flight like Where that. Where you can lay flats were just brand new. I don't know if you know what a lay flat is on a plane. It's so you can actually sleep on the plane. Yeah, you can lay down. So you can lay the whole seat yeah, down. Yeah, like a bed. The flights to Europe on a lay flat was like $7,000 each way. <laughs> yeah, right. it's 15. I was going to say 15 round trip. <laughs> <laughs> took all your money. So 15000 just for her to fly, right? And I had to book it. I booked, I did all our travel arrangements. Then her hotel was almost $1,000 a night. Damn. Don't tell me she ganked all your money, man. So not only could I not go because she couldn't afford oh, me to go. Oh, man. She didn't even go. No way. After you booked everything. And you booked all that. After you booked and paid for everything. Oh, <laughs> she went another country with her, with her fiance at the time. Then that same guy that she says, hey, I don't want you talking to a client. You can't close a deal if I, if I begged you for it. Don't do it. Okay. Got to the point where I was so good that she demanded me to talk to clients. Like I would close uh, deals sometimes faster and better than her just because you started I started building that confidence. I wasn't jaded by the business, right? And I loved the business. So I had a strong passion, but now I had the knowledge and I have the resources. Okay. So once you put me in the fact that now I can talk to HBO, I can talk to stars, I can talk to right, Showtime, right. I'm getting these relationships through you, you're literally one of the hardest working women I've ever met. You know, you're evil as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and I would nothing want to be nothing like you because I, my mentality is different. But work wise, man, this lady's calling me at three o'clock in the morning, you know, Can two I, o'clock in the morning, asking me to do tasks and things are on her head. And, and she lifts, slept and ate her work. Can I can I ask you a question real quick? Mm-hmm. But do you think that Hollywood has a level of that element where people are just just evil? 
just for whatever where they need to go. Yeah, it's so like a necessity, speak. or is it kind of uh, like you be proved otherwise? But you just think get further any industry that's that lacks, you know, okay, that money's involved like that point. People have the ability of turning evil. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think everyone's evil coming in. I think people at the end, and, and I hear this in conferences and markets from higher execs. I wake up in the morning in a good mood, you know, yeah. wanting to help. Yeah. And I've heard this from like the top guy at MGM. I wake up wanting to help. Okay. Right. But once I start getting some of them phone calls, to almost the fullest capacity, right? I've you learned, knew education was first. Yeah. yeah. Not only well, that, but the 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 stuff that really wasn't deemed education, but it was as educational. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? And not and not only that, I mean he dealing with um with Paige Ostra. Remember was that how you say her last name? Paige Paige Ostra. I think Ostro Ostra. Yeah. Getting punched in the face by her <laughs> in reality, that that story was ill. But you me me and Chris were talking about it earlier. I there's a bunch of things that all of us have went through, right? Yeah. yeah. Nobody, you don't want to change that because that's what makes you. And I know Jeff probably wouldn't want to change the experience yeah. he dealt with, even though the lady was, like he was talking about the Meryl Streep, the 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 the, the, the Devil's Wear Prada yeah, Devil's version, Prada, of yeah. Meryl Streep's character. But yeah. all the the lawsuits, I guarantee he wouldn't he wouldn't change it because. Porter Pictures is where it's at now. Well, he, well, like well, he didn't because leave because he was learning so much from her, and that that no. knowledge is yeah. But not only that, I mean, yeah, that's what company. I was gonna say. Not yeah. only that, you got to look at it. He said at one time he was the the VP of her joint, where she wasn't even coming to the office anymore. He was the one running. But what you got to understand, man, um, and and you know, I'm always be the person to you know look at it in a way where you know you have to. You almost have to go to war with the situation, not necessarily the person. Yeah. So, you know, you have to have a huge level of fortitude, even though when he discussed that, you know, my family was telling me to bow out. People were telling me, like, yo, don't do this and do that. Couldn't even pay his rent. Couldn't even pay his rent. Yeah. Eating, you know, eating ramen mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But when you have a level of fortitude and um, endurance and a lot of other things, and then you believe he was very not, driven by that well, ambition. Well, not only that, like, remember, remember, remember by, he was talking about the film and what he by, was in Yeah, by what, about. Be, because he was passionate about his ability. Yeah. Well, not only that, I mean, when he was he was doing computer science, right? Yeah, yeah he was doing computer science. I think he was talking about his faith was kind of pushing him in the right direction. Of, it seemed like he hit a wall. And once yeah, he, he hit, hit that wall, wall his right. faith got trying to figure out what yeah. He, yeah, trying to trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And I think once you know movies and things like that is what you want to do. Yeah. I think he it was it was written. So when did when did Porter Pictures form and Yeah, Porter Pictures know. is tough, man. So when I first moved to LA, um I went out there kind of on a whim. Okay. You know, I met a guy out here and he had told me, you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm such and such of the motion picture association. Mm -hmm. <laughs> come down to LA he had an office over here on Wilshire he was like man you move down here come see me I'll take care of you is that because he's seen the work that you were doing here in Vegas no we just had a good conversation with him oh okay and just I told him what I was into I yeah. told him what my degree was in what I wanted to do yeah. what I was doing um, I told him I had to put some DVD stuff together and I was highly into film and I wanted to learn more about distribution and grow yeah. so um, based on that conversation he told me if I moved to LA because I was debating on moving to LA um, to come look him up so 
one day things were just going bad here, man. Like, you in know, Vegas. <laughs> it's just, you know, I just didn't like it. The house I was staying in, man, me and my cousin were getting into it, okay. you know, you know, with the <laughs> women's now, yeah. the studio, the lights got cut off, oh, you know. Yeah. It's time to go. It was just, I was just getting tired of so much negative. I was involved in a lot of negative people, a lot of, you know, some of the bad people in Vegas because those guys that had money, they were paying me, you know, mm-hmm. to do stuff for them. Right. There was the guys running the labels and the companies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I just got tired of seeing a lot of negative crap, man. So... I want to grow and I want to get out of this bubble that I was in. So I got out. That's what's up. Man. Um, the problem is it was tough as shit, man. Excuse my French. No, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, L.A. is no ball game. You know, I came there thinking I'm the top editor, but I went there being like a tadpole. Yeah. Because of how they did you do any works. internships or how did you how were you able to so, get in? Because the question so the catch is I went to that guy's door. Oh, right? that's right. You said that. Yeah, yeah. I went to that guy's door. And what's funny is. um. I called him. He knew I was coming. We had a time schedule set up. He told me exactly where his office was. I'm excited. I drove 45 minutes, an hour to get to L.A. Don't know nothing about L.A., but I'm here. I'm on Wilshire. I'm in this big building, and I get to his office. He calls me and tells me, hey, don't knock on my door. Put the DVD underneath my door, and I'll talk to you later. Oh, wow. Oh, the punk move, yeah. And so I'm st- – because I'm stuck now because my DVD didn't have my information on it now. Oh. Right? So I'm like, <clears throat> I thought I'm going to be sitting down with you. Right now you can write down. I can give you my business or yeah. something. He told me to just slide under his door. So I went to another door because I needed a pen now to write my number mm. and stuff on there. So I knocked on another door, and um, uh, a guy popped his head out. Looked like he didn't you know, have a lot of clothes on, something along those lines. Uh. <laughs> um <laughs> Not the guy that I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. That's all I to ask you. Same <laughs> office kind yeah. of, I don't okay. want to insinuate, but okay. popped his head out, looked at me kind of crazy, came back, gave me a pen. I wrote it down, slid it under the other door. Then he called me about two minutes later. I told you not to knock on my door. Oh, okay. After that, I was like, okay, so this is Hollywood. This is yeah. LA. Yeah. So at that point, man, it's like I didn't know what to do. I was in Cali. Um, was that uh, discouraging? hella discouraging actually i think that that kind of was daunting for me right because i put so much into that yeah and i had hoped that he would be some kind of break for me right once that happened it was like man maybe i came out here for nothing right we start second guessing things but the problem i think with la well not the problem what was great for me with la is i got really close to god in la there you You go i started going to church heavy um not to say, you know, that was the reason for anything, but it that helped me in regards of timing. Okay. Because then I had something else to focus on. There you go. Yeah. Um and so so randomly, I um I was putting in job applications. Okay. You know, I put a lot of job who knows, online. You know, this one online was really popping with job applications. And one day I got this random email saying, Hey, you got an interview in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what it was for, mm. didn't know what job I applied to. Oh, I, I didn't know what the job was in detail. I just knew it was in Beverly Hills, so I should go. Yeah. So I went to Beverly Hills, and I was in this big group interview at this nice office building. And it was for a film company. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, okay, this is exactly what I would like to do. But the problem is I'm in a boardroom. These guys have MBAs. These guys have master degrees. These guys are veterans in film. You know, so... I felt I was overmatched. I'm just moving to LA. I'm a I'm the only black kid in the room and I don't have any prior experience. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, my experience is music videos yeah. and stuff like that. That means yeah. nothing to the film world. So I just worked just just shined in that interview. You know, you know what I, I was just, gonna ask you too? When I when I was reading, you've done over fifty plus movies, movies now, yeah. So it's the range of documentaries to movies, distribution, the whole nine and 
I was seeing you guys came out with a TV series. What is it? Live Live Life. Live Life. Uh huh. That's a powerful thing, man. It's Live Life was amazing. Okay, so I met this lady, um, Jerry Sher, on a cruise ship. Okay. Um, we were going on a cruise. I forgot, um, maybe the Bahamas or something. It was me and my girl at the time. Um, and I just met her. She had a guy I knew in L.A. that helped her with her phones, told her that his buddy, a guy he knew was going to be on this cruise ship, right? Okay. He told her what I did. Okay. He told her I was a black guy, tall guy. But on this cruise ship, I'm the only tall black guy. So <laughs> I happened to, to see her at one of the little coffee machine things, man. And she pointed me out, hey, you're Jeff, this and that, this and that. And me and um, we went out to dinner with her and her husband. And they were an amazing couple. They're a bit okay. older. Okay. Um, and she had told me at this point that many years ago, she had started filming this kid. So there was this kid. I think at the time he was 10. He, would di- he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Damn. So his mom was a um, his mom was a physician and his dad was a heart surgeon. And at that time, they immediately wanted to do chemo because they felt he wasn't going to have only maybe a few months to live and, unless they did chemo. Mm-hmm. The parents didn't believe in chemo, so they did research on cancers to figure out what could they do for their child. Yeah, they learned, of course, cancer feeds off of um, sugars, so they turned uh, their household to organic vegan. So they cut all sugars. Um, except natural sugars, if anything. Yeah, I know that's um, he gonna start talking about it. Yeah, yeah. they had they had a really strict diet to to starve the cancers. But on top of that, there are some physicians out there around the world that do a lot of spiritual mental healing. Yeah. Because their philosophy is your brain controls everything, your brain can dictate everything. Yes, you just it gotta does. learn how to work and operate yeah, your brain. I agree. Yes, it does. And you know, if you learned one, the one thing they don't never teach us in school is how our own brain works. You know, no, we might no. learn parts of it, but we don't actually understand how to use it. You yeah, know, for sure. And no one is around out here. No you one, know, is. especially in the U.S. I think it's it's horrible. But yeah. in this case with him, his parents found a physician I think in South America. Mm. Um, they found another physician I found in another part of the, the the world, and they just researched them, and they they were known, you know, and they flew them out there, and I think the first thing he mentioned in, in the documentary. That, you know, they had them in this room at first, you know, where they were doing the prayers and it was just silent. And and the catch was is positioning your mind to believe you don't have can or you know where the cancer is and your mind needs to fight it. Mm. Right. So they had them doing different things or meditation. You're sitting. You got to sit. They had them sit in a chair and for an 11 year old, I think for like eight hours straight. Damn. You know, where he just didn't move. You just got to meditate. That's wild. And every night they told him to envision. And so he would say what he would do is um, he would envision like little soldiers in his head that are going to find the cancer and they're killing the cancer. Wow. And so does he talk, night, do you guys talk about it in this, in this TV series? Or? Yes. So that's oh, where yeah, I was I going see that. Yeah. So live life is, you know, we'll finish on Derek real quick. Um, he envisioned, you know, a, they were killing this cancer mm. and then he just constantly practiced that and constantly in his head, he never, he didn't have cancer anymore. He was cured. Um, now he just graduated college. Man, that's awesome. Nice. You that's know, awesome. and this was so like he was getting twenties, and he's never been to the doctor since. He's never had any issues or concerns since. Um, and they don't want him to go get still a brain vegan? test. Yes. Yeah. They don't want him to go get a brain test because they don't want his mental to believe that something is still there. Right. That's why. That's something that'll stay with you forever too. That kind of mental fortitude. Yes. So now it's like, hey, I beat it. It's gone. It's not there yeah. anymore. I'm good. Not I don't want to do game. anything. Right. This series is 13 episodes of multiple stories like that. Yeah, I want. I want to definitely check that out. Uh, and yeah. that's on Discover, right? Discovery bought it. We haven't placed it on a network yet. Okay. Discovery okay. actually. So you sold it. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, the co-producer with you. Yes. Okay. That one kind of caught me off guard. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I looked at that and was like, yeah. what in the hell? You know, and, and people always ask me now, because it's like, man, why don't you stay with some slasher films and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Movie. I can literally say I've probably made more money and have enjoyed working with docs 10 times more than features. You know, I, I love documentaries. So yeah. and, like, and the main yeah. reason is docs are timeless. They constantly always sell. And they're real. And they're real. They're real. And people don't believe that there is an audience for them, but people love documentaries. Yeah, 100%. I got, a, I got a co-worker. That's all he watches. Mm-hmm. We will ask him about certain movies that he's that everybody's probably seen three or four times. He's never seen them mm-hmm. yeah. because he watches documentaries. That's his thing. Kind of a second wind, too, with like your Netflix and Hulu where they're yeah. documentary focuses. Yeah. yeah. A, a gentleman that I was so impressed by is a guy named Greg Rim. He, okay. um, he ran acquisitions for HBO. You know, very famous, well known um, in the in the in the industry, and I would talk to Greg, and he knew so much about everything, just because all he did was watch Docs <laughs> all day long. Right. What do you got to say about Tyler Perry and what he's done with his company? It's been great. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he's been able to overcome big, some big feats. Yeah, he's been given a great opportunity, and he's. I mean, I forgot what they're saying. They're punching out like an episode a day. You know, down there in his studio. So, you know, they're really working down there. Yeah. Um, and he's written out his studio, right, from my understanding. So if you're, if you're, let's say, you know, Porter Pictures and you want to come out there, you can rent his studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, can yeah. rent okay. one of the hangers out. Yeah, like yeah. That. Same thing. You can, you can do that in Hollywood, too. Okay, okay. Yeah, you can do that um, at one of the main studios as well. I'm not sure the price point. I know a few people are trying to build more facilities like a Tyler Perry studio. Okay, yeah. Um, Tyler now, he's built a great niche for himself. Yeah, but yeah. now Tyler is also trying to find ways to 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 become more self independent. Okay, you know Lionsgate had a lot of you know restrictions on Ty- uh, on Tyler. You know now it's like without those same restrictions, it's really like okay, hey, now I have an opportunity of making certain things. You know, got it. Um, but you know it's tough. You know even with Tyler, you know um, the Medea movie has been the calling card. You know, so he has to do those Medea movies right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I love it. I, I mean, honestly, anyone that's um, African American that's kind of made success that way and especially thrived in this business, man. Yeah, you got to yeah. look at too. Yeah. Um, and respect. That's good, man. I gotta ask you, man. Um, who's the most famous person is, that you can call who's in your cell phone in the Hollywood industry? Call on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, a famous Text. person that we might know, not because you know you got industry cats that right, you say right, a name, right, we might right, not know who know. that is. That's that's weird because I'm more on the business side. So like, okay. my thing is like I can call the head of HBO. Okay. <laughs> right, right, call, right. That's I what I'm saying. Though, I can call one of the, some of the top people at Viacom. Okay. You know, um, yeah, but but the huge. thing is, but the thing is that's super Viacom, huge. Yeah, absolutely that's super here. huge, but. If he said the guy's name, you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Right. But I know the brand. (laughs) So, for example, like, I know Tyler, you know, but my relationship with with Tyler is his um, his studio manager. You know, so, I mean, the guy that runs his business, the president of his studio. Right. You know, because he does all the business. So I can call him, you know. Sure. Um, I can't call Tyler firsthand. Okay. You know, but um, what about what about actors? Any actors? I'm starting to get more involved in actors now. Okay. I'm starting. I mean, there's I met quite a few people in L.A. You know, mind you. You, you know, you're gonna meet people in L.A. Um, yeah. yeah Who did I meet at the um, Faison Love? You know, okay. great relationship with Faison. I met him <laughs> at the burrito burrito yeah. spot. You know? Faison, yeah. wow, yeah, boy. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you meet, I meet a lot of people. I mean, yeah. um, Chris Browns and stuff like that. You meet a lot of people in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but actors I learned aren't going to make my business right I need actors now when I'm producing movies you know as a cast but I gotta pay them so I'm writing them a check yeah 
but the people that make my business, the people that's writing the checks and the people that's gonna, you know, yeah. say you gotta find a distributor or yeah, be the distributor. Or the networks. Yeah, or the, the people at the top the that'll, that'll bankroll. Yeah, that's kind of my, um, you know, I'm getting more involved now in original production where I'm hiring more actors, you know, where you get involved in the Holly Berries and stuff like that. And then it become, you know, because A, you build a relationship because I'm, like I said, I'm writing you a check. Sure. You know, yeah. so um, I'm helping you eat for the next month or two. But on my personal side, my connections will be more business. So Vegas, LA connection, maybe one day you do a Vegas. Doc. I'm working on some stuff now. Okay. Yeah, I'm working. I wrote. I wrote. Um, not written. I wrote. Um, a series. So. Okay. There was this. Um, I don't want to put too much out there. There was a vice detective who was very known out here named Chris Bowman. Okay. And he wrote a book that I loved. Um, and his first book got published immediately. Okay. Um, Chris was the lead vice detective, and he started help help with the vice department out here. So Metro, Metro, mm-hmm. they built a home, their own their own building. They were detectives, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he brought down some of the biggest cases in regards to prostitution and pimping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And very well known for you know bringing in millions and millions of dollars through yeah. um, through what he does. So they gave him a job at CBS to, on a new show immediately, mm-hmm. um, Dateline, um, to catch a predator. Oh, okay. yeah. there, but that got canceled really quick because it was really harsh. You know, they were setting pimps up um, to take them to jail, and a lot of people complained because it was wrong. You know what you're doing, your tactics. But he, I had always been from Vegas, and I had a lot of friends that were in, you know, and you know, friends that are strippers, friends that yeah. are pimps, prostitutes, you name it. Of course, people you went to school with. Mm-hmm. So I always got to see that side. Yeah. But I never understood. <laughs> The metro side of it, the police side of it, and their angles and how they went about to try to capture these guys and what their exact measures, how they went about it. And he broke it all down. Wow. And not only did he break it down, I was able to sit down with him and pick his brain and to get ideas of how he thought and his mentality and how he moved and why he moved and why he was so successful. Um, So at that time, I optioned a book and I had a screenplay written um, for a movie. But since then, I kind of didn't move on it because I've been working a lot of the pictures. But since then, I really I wrote um, a series off of that that um, I just kind of wrapped up, and I'm taking out to like Netflixes and a few other places now that I'm sure. coming around to get funding and all that. But um, I got the backing from Metro. I got backing from quite a different people. That's what's um, up. I'll be looking so, forward yeah, to seeing too. that. So you know, my next DVD was uh, Vegas Street Chronicles. Like I said, and I just did a lot of the celebrities, and and I showed more of that side of Vegas with the Strip mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but from that point, it was like, okay, the next thing I do, I want it to be a little bit more mainstream. I need to get distribution because I think I worked on a project called Hip Hop Honeys Las Vegas. You said Hip Hop Honeys? Hip Hop Honeys Las okay. Vegas. Okay, that sounds dangerous, man. And, um, <laughs> it was different. I mean, at the time, a guy named Shecky Green had did it, and it was it was pretty much um, music videos, a girl standing in just the songs, but getting naked. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, walked, I came in on Tony when he was like, you know, doing that project, but Shecky... I think he paid, let's say, seventy, eighty thousand dollars to create that, you know, total. Mm-hmm. But he made like three point five million on the Dang. back end. Cause sex, sex sales, man. And yeah. I saw that, and my catch was, I we did everything, you know, from the filming to the editing to the sound. You you actually saw it, so like, like his return. And the majority of that money went to us for the work and the time we went in. You know, we owned most of the equipment. Yes, you had to pay some of the girls and the hotel rooms and stuff like that. But that's normal stuff you do yeah. on a day-to-day basis. 
and for me to see that turnaround was what changed me. Like, okay, I just so 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 what came of the 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 the, the con situation when you were going to go to Can? Oh, so after she didn't go to Can, the catch is like I told you, I was already broke at that mm-hmm. time. You know, um, the problem is I had full access to all of our accounts. Okay, and so I remember I was sitting in that office. And I was going to, I wanted to write myself my own check. I wrote myself my own check so many times. The checkbook was right there. I remember I was ple- contemplating, but my mom was like, I was like, mom, I can do this right now. Yeah, keep it moving. I'm cool. I can pay my rent. She's playing with me. She knows my bills. And she yeah. knows what's going on. I'm owed this money. Yeah. There's nothing I'm doing illegal, so to speak, but I know if she went to court or something like that, all I got to You would lose, yeah. So I, I didn't write my own check. Um, and at that point, I said, you know what, I can't deal with this no more. Right. I got to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was premature, but I was hurting. I was empty, hungry. I didn't like how she treated clients. I didn't like how I couldn't work on a lot of films I really wanted to work on. I didn't like the pennies that I was pulling in compared to the dollars that I was making her. Right. Um, it was quite a few things I didn't like. And so at that point, it was like, you know what, I need to just get on my own. Gotcha. I'm tired yeah. of being a slave. Gotcha. I'm not a slave. Um, I don't need to be a slave anymore. And so I um, I started Porter Pictures. Um, but the day she found out, and she found out kind of sneakily, that I started Porter Pictures, she sued me. She um, she filed a restraining order against me at first, and she stood in front of a judge. I remember and cried. Playing said that I was role. trying to kill her. <laughs> and told this judge that she was feared for her life, that I couldn't be in any markets, any places that she, went, <laughs> she was going to be at. Dang. She tried to blackball me from the business. She called every executive and told them I stole from her. She told every executive that I, I took all her trade secrets and um, she got power of attorney for my condo and got me evicted and kicked out. Um, she did everything she could. She had lawyers constantly harassing me, emailing me after emailing me, cease and desist after this, after that. Wow. Every film that I had priorly worked on that I had listed on my site to say, okay, hey, I worked on this, I did sure. a deal for this film. She contacted or had an attorney write a cease and desist to every last one of those clients to scare them, saying they were, she was going to sue them if they allowed me to keep my artwork. She was bullying site. everybody, yeah. So they all, I got, I got cease and desist from every last one of their attorneys. Um, I got. I How got long ago was this? If you don't mind me asking. This is six five years ago four five so it's ago. fresh yeah it's still fresh yeah well this is right when i started my own company yeah yeah and so at that point i had to try to hire my own attorneys but i got dicked around by attorneys they hustled me for those dang return uh, retainer yeah. fees yep. just talking to me and i'm out of thousands of dollars now and they can't even help me and they're scared of her as well because they're like hey we don't have the money she to can drag her it. Yeah, she can not, drag it out you know we're, you don't have that kind of money right now and sure. i'm not fighting her and and I understood it, you know. It's like, hey, I'm I walked away broke, and she's a multi-millionaire, you know. And here I am battling, trying to, you know, start my company up, and yep. I'm talking to executives, and people are telling me, hey, I don't like, I don't appreciate what you did to such and such, and you know, I was told you stole from her, and this and that, this and that. And then someone, um, so at first I was going to get out. I didn't know what to do. I thought, you know, stop, like stop over. doing. Maybe okay. I just need to stop, you know, and 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 maybe it's not meant for me. Maybe I messed up. Then I talked to someone. I forgot who I talked to. And they brought up a great example. They're like, man, you know how many criminals are in this business? Like, <laughs> you know, you know how many people have murdered people or done certain bad things that people know about? 100%. And it's it's water, under, right? uh, water underneath the bridge. And because they're still working, people just pretend like it didn't happen, didn't exist. Right? 
And I was like, yeah, you're right. And he named some people out and some big wigs, you know, and he's like, man, these people are criminals and this, yeah. and this and that. And that right there was like, you know what? I haven't done nothing wrong. I'm not the criminal. You're not a criminal. Exactly. I'm doing things right. I'm just trying to run business. And I think your allow. faith kicked in. My faith had to kick. Well, yeah. when I stood in front of that judge, right. In my last court case, she had had me beat. I knew it. Um, she had all the paperwork. She had all these different contracts. I had signed different contracts before I signed her company, you know, that I didn't even know really what I was signing, you know, um, you know how they show you all the evidence before you go in sure, court. I'm yeah. like, oh, man, I'm, I don't even know what the hell I'm walking in here for. Yeah. The judge is about to just <laughs> yeah. hand it to me, you know. Um, I'm a black guy. I'm not representing myself yeah. now. And, <laughs> you know, so what was so funny, at that court date, the judge, when we first stood up in the thing, the judge was talking to her, asked her a few questions. Then she came to me and she was like, you know what, you, you need to count your blessings you're a lucky one. I'm like, why? What do you mean? So she went back to her and she was like, you know what? When you filed this, you forgot to file in this form and you forgot to put this paper in in this form. That's that karma you was talking about. And so since you didn't submit this form, I can't take this case right now. Yeah. So I'm going to have to dismiss it. I'm going to have to dismiss it. And she was like, well, she was like, well, you can refile. You can go through the process again. But that process took months, you know. To give it up. Right. A lot of money. And money. Oh, money wise. And the judge threw it out. That's what she gets, though. That's and that, at that point, I'm like, you know what? God is good. Yeah. I yep. need to stop being fearful of what she did to try to hurt me and, and, and be understanding of what I'm doing. and what Keep I'm doing. going in your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. Since then, she's not in business anymore. She's not. No, I've seen her several times after that. She still hates my guts. <laughs> but what is she? What is she? Is she not? Doing what she used to do, or she's doing something her different. Her site, everything's been down. Her office, I'm in their office building now. That's my office. <laughs> wow. So, um, so you, yeah, you went in bulleting. Yes, the owner of the office, <laughs> the owner of the office building, loved me, man. I mean, I built great relationships. That's what yeah. I can say. When I did, when I worked for her company, I was able to build some great relationships. There you go. And people had That's a lot of love about. and faith for me. So when I left, people had my back. Hey, yeah. Jeff, I'll be a client. Let's go. Take a lot, lot, a lot more trustworthy than she yeah, was. My office, the, the owner of the building, hey, Jeff, I got confidence in you. I'll give you a couple months free. Here you go. Nice. So I, I, I like I like his story. And I like... Yeah. Uh, I think it's extremely intriguing, man. But that's that's what the circle is about. Yeah, he's an interesting cat for sure. And, and not only that, man, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with... Um, like when he was talking about live life, yeah, that TV series that he was sold to Discover, which is part of his, uh, you know, I'm rep- sorry, Discovery, Discovery, yeah, not Discovery. which is part of his repertoire with his, you know, his his movies and his documentaries and mm-hmm. his TV shows. But that that right there, that Discovery TV series is about to be that's going to blow serious. up. Yeah, that's going to blow up. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it, it too. Was all the mental we were talking about, yeah, and mindset, and, and 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 for the listeners, just really literally. Uh, the listeners of the Vegas Circle, and right now, just just check Jeff Porter out. Check out some of the movies that he's already made mm-hmm. that are on his website. Check out some of his documentaries. He's even on iTunes. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, uh, Chris was talking about that. Yeah, none is. Yeah, I think he said number four on iTunes yeah. right now. None, yep. none is none is the latest. It's blowing movie. up. So the horror movie. Movie right? The horror movie right? Yeah, the yeah. horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but see that to me though, Pac and Chris, that's dope because what we really want to do is. Um, I want a person that I that I work next to, or maybe I live next to. I got a good report with to know Jeff. Yeah, he was a great, great guy. To know for sure. to know what yeah. Jeff does and his story. 
His story, not, yeah. well, not only his story, but go watch his movies. Yeah, yeah. go watch his documentaries. Support his TV series, his documentaries, because, and all that stuff that he's doing. Because he's a he's a he's a, 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 a integral part. He's he's from Vegas. Mm-hmm. He's from Las Vegas, and he's been able to be one of the many people that have grew up here with no listen. Nothing. Las, Las Vegas. We don't. The only thing that we're known for is being what we're known for. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So technically, you don't really hear about a lot of people mm-hmm. that are leaving this town and making something of themselves in other industries other than the industries that attract people to this place. Yeah. And what's funny too is that when he left, his first thought was, "I want to come back to Vegas and make movies in Vegas." Exactly. Yeah. Three exactly. Years. Early on, even like before L.A. or even when you got to L.A. What influenced you to just have the wherewithal to to keep going? Mm-hmm. Like what? Who? What were the things that 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 like triggered in your mind to be like, you know what? I can't give up. Well, a, I was always obviously my mom was always drilled in my head, hey, you can do what you want to do, right? Right. But when I was in in Reno mm-hmm. and I was going to computer science class and stuff like that, I remember a couple guys that lived down the hall from me. They were so into what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I was just doing it kind of just to get a grade. And I was a little struggling at that because I had no passion. You're just going for through doing the motions. It. And I realized the only thing I'm, I'm doing this for is because people said I can get a good job. Mm. Now, mind you, I look back now like, damn, if I got that damn computer science degree. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, it'd be a different game. It'd be, it'd be a whole different yeah. story. You know, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a guaranteed thing. I go give me a job anywhere. You, know? <laughs> right. you wouldn't have Porter Pitches, though, man. <laughs> That's the case. So yeah. at that point, I remember um, I was sad. It was mm-hmm. a night, and I prayed to God. And this is before I got strong with God. And I just remember I prayed. I'm like, God, this is not what I want to do. Right. Help me tell me what I have to do with my life because yeah. this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. This is not where I want to go. Yeah. I can just foresee what my life is going to be in detail if I stuck down that path. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it. I wanted mm. something different. But I didn't know what I wanted. But even, but even if you didn't know, at that particular time, you had some level of a vision, right? Of- I, just, I wanted something more. Right. And so I just prayed. And then for some reason, when I woke up that morning, the only thing that was on my head was film. Okay. And the only thing I could think of was film. Mm. And so. You think that, God just kept putting that. At that point. That's what it was. Some though. Kind of, some at that point, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I changed all my classes. I lost a lot of money because, you know, I'm taking, you know, physics and, and mm, other math yeah. classes I didn't need to take. Whereas film, you don't need none of that, you know, is a bit different. But, um. I moved schools. I went back to UNLV, and I was driven at that point. It was like right. I knew what I wanted to do. So the good thing about UNLV, um, and I still remember this lady's name. Her name is Jenna Stevens. Okay. You know, so I signed up for an appointment for they had a um, a business school, like a small business development thing, a program they put together at UNLV. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I'd sat down with Janice, and mind you, I only sat down and met this lady one time, and I still remember her name. To yeah. this tea, and Big I remember what she looked like. Yeah. Um, if she ever heard this, you know, Janice, I love you. Thank you. Right, right, right. right. Um, but Janice told me to do a nonprofit. And because I asked her, hey, I don't have any money, Janice. You know, I'm barely going Raise to school. money, yeah. You know, and I'm then, and then she was like, well, get the money for the license of the nonprofit, and then you can actually get people to donate to your business. At the time, I was, um, me and my guys, we were running like a record label. We were trying to do some artist stuff and okay. things like that, clothing line things. And we started doing car washes. Mm. So we did, and at the time, I, it was unfortunate. I was working at the rental car place, but they did car washes um, Saturday and Sunday mm. for like three weeks straight. And that money, 
And then we threw a couple parties as well, like some club parties. Mm-hmm. I remember our business license was a thousand dollars, and we raised a thousand dollars or twelve fifty, and then we bought a business license. I got I got an account, or I think the business license was seven fifty at the time. Mm-hmm. An accountant was two fifty because I was told I got an accountant to make sure the numbers are good. Sure. Um, I was a I was a cap at that point, so I was a frat boy. So I had a fraternity brother that was an accountant, so he hooked me up and only charged us like two fifty. That's what's Paid up, that thousand dollars, got my nonprofit license. And here I am, you know, 19, 20 years old with a 501c3. And I didn't know how important that was mm. or how good it was, you know. Um, but then I got into grant writing. Okay. Because I learned um, my mother sat on a couple boards when it came to, like, grants in the cities. And so she told me about grant writing and the and the fact that the city and the state and the county all have grant money there. Yep. And so I just studied and I took time to learn how to do grants. And so I wrote a bunch of grant proposals, you know, and I got accepted um, the city gave me a grant. The county gave me a grant. That's what's up. Man. Um, and these weren't small grants. These are like ten thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars. You know, that's excellent. And yeah. from yeah, that point, wild, I was yeah. able to buy. I bought my first camera. So my camera was thirty five hundred bucks. I bought that with a grant. I bought you know my first keyboard for my studio. That was like thirteen hundred dollars. Wow. And so now I was able to actually. Actually, I'm taking that back. My camera was five thousand dollars. So, you know, it was just well, we were able to just buy equipment. And mm. that gave me a great, great start, man. Then I built a school. So we started, you know, educating some kids and, um, you know, doing a few things. So I turned over and, and started building my for-profit. Do you still you still have that? I still have my nonprofit. Oh, that's I haven't worked at it as, as, as much, I should say, and I need to get back on it. Um, but, no, I still have my 51 c 3 That's what's up. I, I know we mentioned it before, but I, I, I do want to expand a little bit on the, um, the nonprofit, though. I know you, you talked about how you started it, but... What does that entail, though? Like, like, are you? I still always believe in giving back. Okay. And I've been privy and blessed with a bunch of information. Okay. And I've made certain sacrifices that I don't want other people to have to make. And so my whole thing with the nonprofit is, yes, it was a start for me to kind of get into the business. Yeah. But now it's as a give back, you know. Okay. I want to educate kids on the business behind music and film. Nice. Yeah, we can teach you production. Yeah, we can show you how the lighting and the jibs work and, and you know, how to orchestrate a cast and etc but the business is so sound would you would you agree that that in, in film and music or entertainment overall probably about 95 percent of his business and five percent is talent because i've heard that before i think i was just telling these guys earlier you know i can take a bad artist and you make some money from them as long as they yeah. work hard. <laughs> right yeah. right but now the problem is it takes i mean i've done some crazy stuff with bad stuff you know okay. i hate to say it that way you know okay. some of the films that i've sold aren't the best of films you know they're not the films that you give awards for or go crying in the box office but just because of my work ethic and okay. relationships and right. the amount of time that i put in i'm able to get certain deals that most people couldn't acquire with those got you um and i think that's more hunger as well yeah um so i think it's a little bit more than five to ten percent you know maybe you got you need 20 30 percent you know okay um but majority is business man yeah you know business is key and i I learned that especially when the film and i think probably we were going there was um i'm big i love directing i love the creation process Mm -hmm. but i was so drawn into the business of it okay it's like i'm in a position where I don't have to spend two fifty, five hundred thousand, or a million dollars of my own money, or, or bring it to make a movie. Yeah. I can represent so many other movies and still make the same amount of money I would have made off that one. Are wow! You paying, not that I want to get into that, but are you paying attention to obviously like the Kevin Hart's of the world and things like that on how they've been able to, of course, to broker their deals? Of course. Well, it's not about brokering their deals. It's like it's at like some point, hands in everything. Well, at some point, you get hot. 
you know, it's just like in a basketball game. You know, you get hot and you, all your I jumpers you. start going in. Yeah, that rhythm. And then, I, and, then, and, and, and then not to cut you off, but I think when you get hot, everybody wants a piece of you. True. Of so so you, you can. work the hardest. Yeah. yeah. That's, but, but that's yeah. when it's fun, you know, because you know you're not going to be hot forever. True. You know, that rain only lasts for so many years, depending on your work ethic. Right. You know, I'm a big fan of, like, you know, music artists, like a Lil Wayne. You know, yeah. to me, his worth ethic is what, what drove me. I got to, since you said that. Mm-hmm. How you like Lil Wayne's new album? That's funny. Um, <laughs> which means probably not. <laughs> Actually, I, I, at first, before I listened to it, I heard a lot of bad reviews. Like, okay. hey, people didn't like it, people didn't like this, people didn't like that. I thought Wayne put a lot of effort and time into this album. I was actually happy with the album because he got away from just talking about drugs and, and pussy all day. Yeah, yeah. I was exactly. just, I was yeah, just he glad. He put some emphasis and yeah. work into the album. Yeah. I was glad yeah. that he, he, he put out a piece of work that bent. He he really never stopped working, mm-hmm. you know. Based on all of the media shit yeah, and all yeah. of that, and the situation with, with with baby and all of that, and even in here in the barbershop or whatnot, you know, everybody talk about who's this and that, and I was just looking at it like it's good to see him with the amount of work that he's done, not to just fall all the way off. Yeah, like come back with something. That we can hear and say, okay, he's still there. You he's know what I'm saying? That internal yeah. drive to me is what separates the man from the boy sometimes, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're going to go through bad days. You're going to have days where things are going all bad. Endurance. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I say I get more no's. I get told no probably once or twice every single day. Sometimes yeah. more than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> how, many, yeah. how many no's equal a man. yes? <laughs> but that one yes sometimes changed everything around. That's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like breathe again. Like, yeah. like with yeah. me and me and me and Pac and, and a couple of years ago we're doing a business together and we would always talk about this and <laughs> like like we programmed in our mind that no's didn't mean anything. No's were steps to a yes. Yes. So if you're gonna like get a million of them, check, you can yeah. check off the just start, just keep checking them <laughs> check off. Check them off. And sometimes don't even only mean no. No yeah. just means temporary. I can't do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> right. Or, no, or, 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 or no, some of them no. Some of them are straight up no. No, no. Like, some yeah. of them, some of them are straight up yeah. no, but some no's are like not right now. Yeah, that's right. true. Mm-hmm. Kingman, what's what's next for Jeff Porter and Porter Productions? We were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, not what you made, what you're gonna do. I no, very true, very true. And I'm, it's always, you know, building. So, a, I've um, I'm building myself internal own distribution company, widespread. Through you know, through Porter Pictures. Porter Pictures. Okay, you know? nice. Um, a, so I want to be able to facilitate films such as like a Lionsgate or Universal sure. or some sort. Yeah. On top of that, I've done so much stuff for other people in their films mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, now I'm finally taking time out to do my own writing, to build my own project. There you like go. I'm so creative. And I got to show a lot of that when I when I was editing. Sure. But now that I've been so stuck in business for years that it's like I'm getting overshadowed from my like, hey, you don't have a creative. Just stick to the business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. It's yeah. like, hey, I can create some good content. Yeah. So now show my lane. Yeah. I think you're a creator first. Okay. I was. Right? Yeah. I started a creative. Honestly, the business right. just came to me. Right. You know, on pages, that's what she was doing. She taught me. I learned the business. And right. after you start learning to make a living out of doing something, yeah, you're yeah. doing everything you love and it incorporates everything I want to do. I can be on set. I can do this. I can do that. It's like, man, but now it's really about building stuff from the ground up. Okay. Sure. I'm talking about from the writing to, to hiring everyone, all the personnel from the directors to the producers. To so the you'll, you'll, you'll be the executive producer. Basically. I'm still going to be a producer. I'm going to still be a producer. Okay. The executive producer is the guy that funds the movie. Okay, gotcha. Um, the producer is the guy that puts everything together. Okay. 
facilitator. Know, the facilitator. That's yeah. why the James Camerons and stuff like that. That's yeah. why you know him because they created that. They made that happen. Listeners that's, that's listening to this podcast, understand that when you have that type of mentality, you're like a bulldozer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All of the things that are trying to stop you, you're going to roll over that shit eventually. Yeah. We appreciate you listening to us, man. It was fun um, interviewing Jeff Porter uh, from Porter Pictures. Definitely somebody to be on the watch list to be paying attention to. I think he's he's already blown up, done, done over 50-plus movies, but definitely be paying attention to him for all his TV series and everything that he's doing. And then for the Vegas Circle, um, at thevegascircle.com. Um, we'll also have it on our YouTube channel, so please subscribe on there at the Vegas Circle Podcast. Also, all of our social media, we're everywhere, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, uh, we're the Vegas Circle Podcast. Uh, on our Twitter, we're just the Vegas Circle. So definitely appreciate the support.